Welcome to Gardening with Daddy Pete. Let's join our host, Melvin York. Well, good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to Gardening with Daddy Pete, and I'm your host, Melvin York. And we've talked about so many different topics on here, and the main topic is why you need to garden, how you need to garden, what you need to garden uh, with. And that's one reason that we put these podcasts out, is to help you maintain, grow a healthy food source for your family, yourself, your neighbors, your kin people, whether it be your mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, the whole crowd, the whole clan. And today we're going to talk about soybeans a little bit. I've been on soybeans before. I've got some questions. Soybeans hit the United States or here in the South, running fairly. Uh, caught on really quick in the mid-60s, uh, and they have grown and grown and grown. Since 2002, they've grown at a rate of 1% each year, and now uh, 93% of your soybeans uh, that's planted in the United States plus, and this was a 2018 cast on that. They put the stats out on that, are GMO soybeans. Now, there's a new one on the market, and they have uh, – actually, I'm pulling this off of the Global Research page, and they actually call it pig beans, the latest GMO pranking food. One thing about soybeans I want you to understand, if you cook with vegetable oil, go to your cabinet, pull that container out, and look and see what makes up that vegetable oil. It is somewhat a misconception, even though soybeans can be, and is titled a vegetable. Uh, It tends to make you think there's vegetable or different vegetables of the oil of those in that oil. But in fact, you'll look that most of them are 100% soybean oil. So keep that in mind that a crop that's being grown, uh, that's being sprayed with chemicals, uh, highly fertilized, and even more so in the last five years. Um, But let's get back to the Franken foods. Uh, And it says simply this, one of the latest GMO Franken foods is piggy suey, S-O-O-Y. It's a soybean genetically engineered to contain a pig protein. That is the animal pig. One or more undisclosed pig genes are spliced into the conventional soya to create a soybean with 26.6% of animal protein. Now keep in mind that's 26.6% animal protein. Mulek, M double O. LEC, the UK-based company that developed piggy soy, is also working on developing a pea plant that produces beef protein. The company claims that these transgenic hybrids will provide animal taste, texture, and nutritional value as meat without the high cost of culture or lab-grown. Keep that in mind, the terminology I'm just getting ready to use, lab-grown meat alternatives. Now, you do know that it's already on the market. We have, in the world today, we do have lab-grown beef. We have lab-grown pork. We have lab-grown fish. We have lab-grown chickens. Also, we have what I call the lab-produced or fake milk. And even you can pick the ice cream up off the shelves now, and I don't know about what else that milk is if you can buy it 
in any other form yet, but I'm sure there's out there. I know they were experimenting with some cottage cheeses, some different type cheeses, and so forth and so on. So what are you eating today? I mean, we have had so many things in the 60s. I remember when I went to school, there was no such thing, or you didn't hear about as a peanut allergy. In fact, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches was one of the things that was on the school menu list. I never heard of such a thing until later in the years when my children started going, and all of a sudden there's peanut allergies. There's different things. We have actually altered our food source until it's, I believe, it's becoming very harmful to us. So these are the things that helps you when you do plant your own garden. Now, uh, you've got to make sure that you use seed that's not GMO-related. You have to use the open pollinated type seed. And they are places now that you can still get that. You can buy it at certain places. There are certain seed companies, and they actually are people that have set line online, have set up uh, places to exchange um, seed that's open pollinated type seed. So that's what you're looking for. Hybrid seeds are mixed with one or two or more of different varieties. But if you save the seed off of them, they are eventually going to go back to the stronger of the variety that they were crossed with, unlike um, the open pollinated variety seeds or an heirloom. A lot of people like to call open pollinated heirloom seeds. So heirloom is what you're looking for. Now, here is the problem that we're facing even with heirlooms today. Let's just for example, and I'll use silver queen corn. That tends to be a big one. Uh, pretty well across the South for home purposes, eating. Silver queen probably has a 65 to 70 day uh, maturity date on it. So if you're planting at the same time, maybe one of your farmer friends are planting GMO corn. Usually the corn that they plant is going to be a 90 to 110 to 120 day maturity day corn. And that's called field corn, even though it's GMO. You're not likely if it's planted at the same time for your corn to cross with that because yours will already be made and be out of the way. Because it's going to be anywhere from 25 to 40 days earlier. So that's not the problem. What if your farmer friend is planting uh, some GMO silver queen that he takes to the to the market or to the grocery stores, and he does those. So, in fact, those days of maturity is going to be the same, but and can cross with yours. So you have to be very careful about keeping pure seed and share those back and forth with one another. And I do recommend that you do that. But here we do. We have this pig. Soybean has a pig protein in it. Uh, it's genetically engineered so that it will contain a animal protein, which is, in this case, the pig. We talked about the pea that they're working on now that will uh, taste like or have the protein of beef in it. Here's the thing about it. We keep editing genes and keep on. We're going to cause a chaos in the genome sooner later and they do call that researchers have discovered and they call it the CRISPR Cas gene editing wreaks havoc in the plant genome, causing several hundred 
unintended genetic changes to occur simultaneously in a catastrophic event that ripples across the large parts of the genome. Now, that's one thing that we're looking at as all of these GMOs are being developed. Again, let me read this to you. This is coming off uh, strictly uh, off of the Global Researches page, and you can go on and look that up for yourself. This month's Amber Waves, which the USDA puts out, goes on to tell you about soybeans. I have an article there. I wish you'd go read it. I think that will wake you up quite a bit if you do read that. But uh, the gene-edited plants cannot be regarded as safe. And that's explained by test biotech. When both strands of a DMA are cut, as is typically the cases with the CRISPR-Cas, the ends of the chromosomes can lose contact with each other. If the repair of the break of the chromosomes fails, the severed ends can be lost, restructured, or incorporated elsewhere. Chromosomes otherwise seems to be relatively rare in plants. CRISPR-Cas applications can frequently result also in changes in genomic sites that can particularly well protected by natural repair mechanisms. This risk cannot generally be estimated, so they must be investigated thoroughly in each and every case. The precision of gene editing is overrated. That's something that so far cannot be guaranteed in all this, and then the editing causes chaos. Uh, recent scientific findings have revealed chromothrisphus like effects after the application of CRISPR slash Cas gene editing in the genome of the tomatoes. Uh, Chromothrisphus refers to the phenomenon in which often several hundred genetic changes occur simultaneously in a catastrophic event. Many sections of the genetic material can be swapped, recombined, or even lost if this occurs. Now, we're looking now into a world where most of our seeds have been tampered with. And looks like the only hope we do have is saving our heirloom seeds and protecting them even while we're growing. We've got to make sure that they're not planted within the range where they could cross-pollinate with other varieties. Keep in mind, an heirloom seed is an open uh, pollinator. Uh, so it is and will accept different pollen of the same variety it's in if it's corn on corn or squash on squash or cucumbers on cucumbers beans on beans uh, just whatever you've got planted so these are things we have to do the research on for ourselves and find out what we're planting how we do protect it and how we do save the seed seed saving is very very important but please know that you are saving a pure heirloom variety when you save it. If you are saving a hybrid, again, hybrids are great. They do well for some things. But again, it knocks out the opportunity to save the seed. Uh, you may save the seed. You may get the same variety the next year, maybe on a smaller scale, or you may not get anything at all, or you may get revert back to the stronger of the two of the varieties that were crossed together, as I said earlier in this podcast. So these are things that you do want to look at. 
pig beans, the latest GMO Franken food, transgenic foods. That's what they're being called on your global research pages. And uh, I just kind of scrolled down on this article when I got it. It was something else. And I do want you to look at it. And there were so many uh, notes of where they've got their things from. And I do want to just hit that right quick. A new atlas was in June of 23. New scientists in June of 23. Time magazine in uh, June of 23. Cheryl Atkinson's in June of 23. Science Daily Forecast 2007. Bio NSRX. IV, it was in May of 23. GM Watch was also in June of 23. Test Biotech, June of 23. Global Gene Editing Regulation Tractor. EPA exemptions of certain plant incorporated protectants or PIPs derived from newer technologies. Final rule. So you can go to the EPA, you can look that up, see what the final rule is on PIPs. Science, June 23. Friends of the Earth, from Lab to Fort, June 2018. Wired, June 2023. BMU, that was in 2018. And these are the future, uh, or the featured articles, and from the the authors or uh, the reporters that did report it and where they got there. Um, information from. So we wanted to give that out so everybody would know where we're coming from on this and not just throwing something out there. So right now is a time that you need to study a little more. Go to the USDA page and subscribe to it. Subscribe to the Amber Waves, and that keeps you up with a world of knowledge of how much food is being grown, how much is GMOs, uh, where is it going, uh, what's being shipped in, what's being shipped out. And that's not only just vegetables that does meats, uh, frozen foods, so forth, so on, all the way down the line. So it gives you an idea. You can glance over it once a month. You need to also sign up again for the USDA or recall notices. For the FDA recall notices, it will literally uh, get you to thinking if you see how much of our food, how much of our medicine, and how much of the things that we use in the medical profession uh, is being recalled daily. And I mean daily. And some of them is just continually uh, meeting these recall lists. There's some companies that it seems like they no more than get out of one recall, they're right back in it again. So it looks like there's no punishment for uh, having continual recalls on things. And I don't know that's true, but it seems that way to me. Uh, but you look at it and make your own opinion of that. So planting that garden planting those fruit trees, having a home cellar, having storage. Best way to save seeds is, is to dry them thoroughly. Uh, make sure you seal them in some plastic. Make sure you date them and what the variety is. If you can put them in a the freezer, great. That's a great place to keep them. I've had okra myself since 2009. I planted uh, last year, and which was 2022, sprouted just like it was last year's seed. So the smaller the seed sometimes and the softer the husk, 
the least longevity you have in it. But with corn, with beans, you've got a good six to eight years for sure with that, and they will still sprout. Come up wonderful. Okra is another one. Now, when you get into tomato seeds and pepper seeds, some of the smaller ones, it may be a shorter life period. You can actually go to your extension page, uh, whichever state you live into, and if you look down, they will have a list, and you can find that on the internet of what the expected uh, lifetime is in storage. And there's different storages. Uh, for some of you guys that are using um, the freeze-dried type, not freeze-dried, but when you're uh, actually, yes, doing the process to where you're uh, taking all the air out of your meat and uh, that would be a good way then to also store your seeds, get all the air out, and go ahead and put those in a freezer. But not necessarily works well in just a double lock ziplock freezer bag. Push all the air out, make sure that you do put the label in, and throw them in there and forget them until you need them for next year. Uh, I do encourage you to share those seeds. If you have people across uh, the country, across state lines that um, grows gardens also, and you know that that variety will do well in their area. And again, you can go back to your um, USDA hardiness zone. And if you don't know what that is, it's another good tool that you can find on the USDA page. And that's the hardiness zone of where you live. And most of the time, if you look on the back of a lot of your seed plants, if you're buying trees, uh, you're buying shrubs, herbs, it will give you your hardiness zone. Uh, the best thing to do is to make sure you stay in that zone if you're planting something and you will have more success. You can't take something that's meant for Florida, uh, like an orange tree, and put it in North Carolina when we do dip down into the 20s, sometimes the teens and even the single digits. The tree's not going to survive. It's not adaptable to us. It is out of its hardiness zone. So you can see that on the USDA website. Just look it up, USDA slash hardiness zone. Again, you can also find that on your extension page uh, for whatever state. Just put down in like North Carolina, ncextension.com, and you can uh, get all these facts and figures for you. Uh, also, it actually does tell you what grows well in your area. You can see that on their page. Or you can listen to daddypeats.com and uh, go check our podcast. We have something there for you. We've also got a place where you can ask a question or leave a comment. We'd love for you to. And if you're in the Piedmont area and of North and South Carolina, you know, sign up for our monthly garden tips. And we actually do cover some into the mountains and coastal, too. We kind of mentioned that, too. So uh, we try to keep it for all of our listeners. But you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, Gardening Tips. There's some great recipes there also that uh, uh, has been provided for you. Um, it costs you nothing. We don't share your email with nobody. Uh, so it's directly from us to you. And so you don't have to worry about that. You're safe there. Uh, but sign up for that. And if you do uh, get a chance to go to the web page, look at our different products. You know, we've been around since 1907. We're still a working dairy farm. And we are one of the, I think, one of the finer um, organic soil uh, 
companies that's out there. I'm not saying that everybody else doesn't have a good product. That's what I'm saying at all, nor would I. Um, but we do have some good products. We take a lot of pride in what we've been doing. We've been composting our own dairy manure, making our products for over 30 years now. Our farm's been there, like I said, since 1907. So it may be something you want to look at there. But just glance at our products. I think we got anything there that you could imagine that would help you grow anything from herbs to fruit trees to container gardens to raised bed gardens to row gardening. Uh to your yard, to your lawns, uh, we pretty well have got it covered every way. Even for your small greenhouses, you're going to need some seed mix and starting mixes. So we have those too. And uh, I certainly would appreciate if you'd take time to do that and leave us a comment. You know, uh, ask us a question. That's the reason we do these things. And believe it or not, we do get a lot of questions on here. And soybeans are going to be one that you're going to hear me talk more and more about simply because the GM overrides how that they've actually dominating uh, all the soybeans out there now. Uh, some of the, uh, I think, side effects that comes off of some of these products that's made by soybeans, and I'm sure they do have a good purpose on them. But keep in mind, uh, they tend to, when reporting, make think that you're using all the corn and all the soybeans are for animal feed. Not so. Uh, keep in mind, again, I just can't uh, express this enough, that go back to your vegetable oil. Think uh, your number one oil grain for cooking oil now is soybean uh, in the United States. Go grab that vegetable oil. If you don't have any at your house, maybe use something else. Maybe use canola. Uh, you might want to just turn that around, look at the label on contents, and see what it is. I have seen a time or a brand or two that may have just a little uh, sunflower oil or maybe a, a tad of something else. But keep in mind, again, and I like to say keep in mind, evidently, <laughs> but I just want you to understand that uh, – when things seem to be just a little bit, I don't know. I can't say that they're not telling the truth, but to me, when you call something vegetable oil and it turns out to be just one of a vegetable, it's kind of misleading. And it's even been said that they do that for marketing purposes is the reason they call it that instead of soybean oil. So, and um, that was what uh, I read on one article. So who knows? But anyway, more and more on soybeans right now. You can get one with pork in them. They're working on one with beef. Oh, we've got fake meat. We've got fake milk. Uh, now we've got the fake beans. So <laughs> it's been something. Well, I do appreciate you listening. And uh, thank you so much for all y'all that are sending in questions and comments. And we do uh, enjoy hearing from you. And again, that you got that question or comment, let me know and we'll make sure that we do one on the podcast or I will email you back personally. And yes, I do answer my emails in case you're wondering, uh, most definitely. Well, I've had a good time today and I hope that some of this has maybe stirred a little something in you to where you will go on some of these pages and look, and especially the USDA and the Amber Waves. Check out the USDA Hardiness Zone. If you're planting gardens or if you're planting 
uh, shrubs, fruit trees, fruit bushes, strawberries, whatever, and it'll help you. Well, until next time, you've been listening to Gardening with Daddy Pete, and I'm Melvin York. Thank you for joining today's Gardening with Daddy Pete. You can check out our website at daddypeets.com for additional gardening tips and our podcast at gardeningwithdaddypete.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.